Uh, he was up in the tree, and Jesus said, hey, I want to be a guest at your house today. Uh, or B Bartimaeus, who was a blind man who was calling out to Jesus and uh, again and again. And even though uh, some of those following Jesus said, no, 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 he doesn't have time for you, Jesus stopped and said, hey, what can I do for you? Uh, we looked at, uh, through Palm Sunday's story, we looked at the crowds that had gathered. Uh, they were laying down palm branches and yelling, Hosanna. And then, of course, last week, the, the, uh, the two men who were on the road back to Emmaus after the events of the cross and the resurrection, and Jesus joined them on the road uh, and began to open up the scriptures to them and give them context for why those events needed to happen. And all along the way, like the song we sang, they said, man, weren't our hearts just burning when he opened up the scriptures to us? And what's neat about each of those experiences is Jesus met those individuals in different ways. They were different people with different experiences, coming from different places, different backgrounds, and he met them just at the right time, just in the right way. And uh, this morning, uh, we have the opportunity to, to talk to two of our friends and to hear their stories. And this is something that I think uh, could really become a practice of ours more so. Uh, not only is this, I got to tell you, I had a chance to sit down with these friends um, and, and talk with them, and it was massively uh, encouraging just to hear stories. So if we're thinking of ways to get to know each other better, let's just share stories. Uh, it's a great thing to do, the ways that God works in our lives. Uh, so this morning, I want to welcome up uh, Anne-Marie Wechter and Josh Shoemaker, and uh, let's give them a round of applause. It's okay to clap in church, you know, we can do that, so. And uh, we're uh, excited with uh, Anne-Marie, with you here, just to announce that you have a new granddaughter. Uh, Joel and Katie Wechter had their uh, baby on a baby girl, uh, Tessa Abigail, on yesterday, yesterday morning. So, uh, super exciting news for them. So, I'm not sure if Joel and Katie are watching at home, but congratulations, and welcome little Tessa. We're excited to meet you. Well, great. Well, uh, this morning, so this is a conversation. Uh, thanks again for, uh, for you both being a part of this. Um, wanted to start with uh, getting the microphone on. Uh, wanted to start with um, love for you both to share about some of the, the life circumstances and events or highlights um, that led up to a point where Jesus met you in your life. Okay, so, th so some, of, some of what uh, was the context and background for you. So Josh, could you start us off uh, just telling us a little bit about your uh, kind of how your story began and, and how God brought you to that point? So mine actually, uh, I'll, I'll start with um, my mom. Uh, God was at work before I was even came into this earth. Um, my mom had me at a very young age. She got pregnant when she was 15 and had me when she was 16. And, and being a 15-year-old, finding out you're pregnant led to uh, a lot of difficulties in, in her life. And uh, her family was trying to get her to make some very difficult decisions. Um, about what to do with um, being pregnant at 15 years old. Um, and ultimately, she ended up going off on her own um, just because she didn't want to do uh, or, or fall in, in the path that they were trying to get her to go down. So, so she moved out on her own and uh, had a newborn at 16 years old. And there was a lot of difficulties for her in that. Um, and early on in my, my life, it was 
very uh, scattered and broken. We, we moved around quite a bit. Uh, there was a lot of different folks in our life and we were always on the move. Um, she had another child when I was six years old, my younger brother Jackson. Um, and we lived in some not so great scenarios and, and great homes and great situations. Um, and eventually my mom uh, ended up going to jail and my brother and I got split up. Uh, I actually then went to go live with my dad who I hadn't known um, really or hadn't had a relationship with uh, until my mom had to go to jail. Um, and he had some troubles of his own. He was in a, a rock band and thought he was gonna be on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine. It didn't quite work out that way. Um, he also was in jail for a little bit of time while I was a kid, and uh, but he had gotten out of jail, kind of got a good steady job. Um, he had been clean for a while, so it made sense that I go stay with him in northern New Hampshire. So I went to go live with him for a while, uh, and it was really good at first. It was kind of everything that I had hoped for in a dad. He was coaching the football team, coaching the baseball team. It was, it was great. It was just me and him. Uh, but it always felt like something was missing, not having my mom in the picture. Um, my dad ended up going back and struggling with some alcoholism, and it was just a really, really rough relationship. Uh, as I went into high school, me and him did not see eye to eye on a lot of things, and there was often a lot of uh, anger and violence in our home over it. Uh, and it just always, felt hard um, not having my mom. And then as my mom got out of jail and it was like, okay, well now you have the choice. You can live with your mom or your dad. It was just, I always found myself having to choose. And if I picked my mom, I devastated my dad. And if I picked my dad, I devastated my mom. And it was really hard to have to make those decisions um, because honestly, I, I, even though there were not great scenarios in either of those homes, I saw their love for me. and. I knew that it would hurt them if I didn't choose them. Um, just like really complicated uh, stuff to deal with as a, as a high schooler. Um, so eventually I started seeking out some of the things that I was feeling like I was missing from them on my own. Uh, I got into partying at high school, which led into drinking in high school and doing drugs in high school. Um, and it wasn't a great uh, path for me. Um, let me rewind actually before that a little bit. Uh, freshman year of high school, uh, this is the cute little love story portion of it that I can't miss. Becca's up in dig, so don't tell her. Um, but freshman year of high school, I, I came to live with my mom and I met Becca, who's my wife now. Um, she was a straight A honor student and I was way out of my league, both academically and in a relationship with her. Um, so. We became really good friends, uh, but it wasn't working out at my, my situation going back with my mom. So after about half of the school year, I ended up leaving. And I came back to the southern part of New Hampshire my senior year of high school, but at that point, I had gotten into partying and drugs and was a completely different person from what she had met me my freshman year. Um, a lot of the things that happened and the mistakes that happened were, were my own. Uh, I was not an angel by any means. I mean, I had a rough environment, but I made my fair share of mistakes and, and got me to where I was at that point. Um, 
Well, by my senior year of high school, I had found myself in some trouble with the law. Um, I was trying to drop out of school. Um, it was not a great relationship. I was sleeping at a laundromat in Milford, New Hampshire. Uh, but Becca had always kept an eye on me, even though I had uh, gone astray. And it was really close to Christmas, and Becca's family um, came and, and picked me up a few days before Christmas. Um, they were like, hey, just get in the car. Come with us. Um, so that's kind of where it began for me. But, you know, I, I would say that as I reflect and as I look back on it, I could tell you, and every time I share my testimony, it's, it's amazing to me as God reveals different ways he was working in my life from the time I was, um, before I was even born, all the way up until the point where he, he called me into his family. Um, he, he was there through all those dark times. I was just kind of shunning him and turning my back on him and, and trying to get the things that he was offering through my own means and my own accords. I was trying to do it without him. I had this perfect picture in my mind of what a family was, um, and that's what I was chasing after and trying to get, but he, he was there all the time and, and worked throughout my life throughout all of that time. And now every time I get to share, it's, it's amazing to see the different ways he was working. Thanks so much for, for sharing that. Uh, Anne-Marie, I'd love to hear the same from you in terms of um, what your story looked like leading up to a point where Christ started to become real. Um, well, I loved hearing what you just said because it's the same. You know, there's a story of the one lost sheep and the 99. Oh, you were going to find me a box of cleaning. Yes. Do we have it here? <laughs> um, <laughs> we were. You know, the 99 that Jesus leaves behind and goes and looks for the one lost sheep. And we are all that lost sheep. <laughs> because when um, Eric asked me if I would do this, I had moments in my day when I would, I had a pad of paper and I started writing down all the times in my life when I knew Jesus was there or he brought something into my life or, um, and I have pages. And then this morning when I woke up, I thought, I don't know what you want me to say, Lord, and give me something. And I wrote down 10 more things that I hadn't even had on that list. I talked to Eric the other day for an hour, and none of those are things that I said to him. Um, that Jesus, he just pursues us always because of his love for us and wanting relationship with him. And um, I grew up in a family my grandfather, who I never knew, was a, a Lutheran minister. My grandfather and grandmother came to this country from Norway, and he was a Lutheran minister in five, for five little Norwegian churches in Upper Minnesota. And um, my dad's family, all of my aunts and uncles and my dad all turned away from the church because of the way they were treated by their congregation when my grandfather was a minister. And that was when I was growing up, we went to church every Sunday because my dad wanted to go to the Lutheran church because that's the way he was raised. But there was a point in time when the church did something my dad didn't agree with, so he just stopped going to church. So I had a church background, but I never, nobody ever talked about Jesus until I went to college. And then <laughs> I was in a, a program where I had to choose 
where I was going to go to school for the first two years. My dad wanted me to go to a Lutheran college. <laughs> so I went to a little tiny college in the mountains of North Carolina. Had never been in the South before. Found out that Yankees are real things because <laughs> they still exist down there. <laughs> you know, as far as I was a Yankee. <laughs> um, and I really struggled in being with a lot of things, all of a sudden coming to grips with things in myself that I didn't know were there, weaknesses that I had. My mom and dad were very judgmental and very critical and I grew up in that kind of a home and I had a lot of woundedness that I discovered over the years as Jesus helped me see more and more. Um, but there was a group of kids on campus that <coughs> met together and it wasn't, wasn't navigators, it wasn't any national group, but they were believers and they, <laughs> yeah, where's that clean knife? <laughs> they talked about Jesus like he was real. He was a real person that they walked with and they talked with and they struggled with all the same things that I did with classes and with relationships and new experiences. Um, there was a lot of kids on campus that um, used marijuana I'd never been exposed to that before. There was drinking every weekend, even though it was you know, supposed to be a Christian college. It was a big party place. And, um, and these kids, I could just see in them that they had a strength from somewhere that I didn't understand, but that I wanted. So there was a, one, one of the seniors, I don't know, I don't even, can't remember why we ended up having a conversation, but he did share with me what it meant to have Jesus as your personal savior. And I went back to my room that night and knelt down by my bed and prayed to receive Christ. And last summer somebody asked me who my favorite character in the Bible was. And I don't know if any of you are watching this series, The Chosen, but my favorite scene in that is the very first episode where Mary Magdalene, Nicodemus comes to her and says, what happened to you? Because you're not the person that I saw before. And she says, well, I don't really know. She said, I was one way, and then there was Jesus, and now I'm different. And he's what made the difference. So that's how I met Jesus. Thank you so much. So, uh, so Josh, why don't you um, pick up your story in yep. terms of where you left off and, and uh, what your Christ encounter looked like. And then maybe um, what was maybe the initial trajectory for you after Christ became real in your life and even even you know, in many ways to present day, uh, how, that's, uh, how that relationship has impacted your life. Yeah, so it was right before Christmas, like I kind of picking up where I left off. Um, I was sleeping in a laundromat. I had burnt every bridge that I had ever possibly had built in my life. Um, was very alone, and out of nowhere comes um, Becca's mom and was like, get in the car, coming home with me, and they brought me into their house, and listened to my story and 
there was no like, and I, I was pretty open with the mistakes that I have made and, and was pretty honest. And they knew like, hey, I was dealing drugs at school. I was a trouble, trouble kid. But they still brought me in their home with their family and was like just listening to me. And at the end, like they had tears in their eyes and they just like hugged me and loved me. And I was just like, it's kind of like the first thing like that really set like, okay, something's different here. I don't, I don't understand why I'm being so loved here. Um, and they, they prayed for a long time about whether or not to take me in and let me finish school there or, or how that would look. But uh, actually another uh, friend that I had that I played football with, his family was a good Christian, strong Christian family. And they had heard about my situation, and he had reached out, and he was like, hey, I talked to my mom, come up, back up north, come live with us, finish out school, it'll be great. And uh, I was much more comfortable with him, knew him a lot better, so I was like, yeah, okay, like that, that'll be great. And Beck and I often joke now, it's probably great that that happened, because had we lived together when I was a senior in high school, we probably wouldn't be married today. <laughs> um, there's some things that you don't find out until you're married about one another, so... Um, yeah, so we, we were going to go ahead and uh, so I moved back up to northern New Hampshire. I finished school, uh, but while I was in New Hampshire, I got taken back in with my aunt and uncle. My aunt was a guidance counselor at the school. My uncle was a state trooper. Um, they had some uh, prior Marine Corps guy. They had some like really, really strict rules. They knew that I was a troublemaker, and they were like, okay, you're going to stay with us, but... You're not allowed to have a TV. You're not allowed to have a phone. You're not allowed to use the internet. You're not allowed to go like see your old friends. Like you will literally be in your room, and that is it. Uh, I'd signed up for the army, and I was not going to ship out until August. So this was like um, May time frame. So I had a lot of of time on my hands before then. And their their plan was kind of like, hey, if we just lock them in a room until then, it'll be great. You can't get into any trouble. <laughs> Um, so that's, that's what I did. Uh, the only time I was allowed really to come out was on Sundays I could go to church with that, that family um, that had taken me in because um, the pastor had lived out by us. Uh, and so every Sunday the pastor would come pick me up. He had a big conversion fan because, uh, van because he had like eight kids and it was great. <laughs> I would hop in the car and we would drive like it was 45 minutes away, drive to church. Um, because in the White Mountains up north, everything is 45 minutes away. Um, but we would head to church, and that whole time we would just be talking about what Christianity was. And they gave me a Bible, and because I had nothing that I could do, I had no uh, phone, no, nothing, I, I just read the Bible. Uh, and I ended up reading the Bible cover to cover in a little, little less than a month, because um, that's all I did all day. And... It was exciting. I started just taking notes as I was reading. I was had like all of these questions, and then I would just look forward to that one Sunday where I would hop in his car and we would, I would talk the whole time, being like, "So wait, what about this? What about that?" And we would just go through all of these deep questions. Um, and I remember at one point when I got into Ephesians, and there's nothing really, there's nothing really spectacular that's like, "Hey, this verse is what you know makes Christians or anything." But it was in Ephesians six ten, and it was talking about the armor of God. And I remember just stopping and pausing and kind of weeping as I reflected as like, it was at that moment that I had convinced myself that Jesus Christ was constant, that this was a consistent story in the Bible about a God who had an unconditional love for his people, a God that used broken people that the world thought were beyond reach 
to then bring glory to his kingdom. Uh, and it was what I had finally realized, what I had been missing, what I had tried to find in my, my parents and my broken relationships there, what I had tried to find in, in, in drugs and alcohol. And I realized that that was what I needed was an unconditional love for somebody to just accept me and love me and forgive me. Um, and want to use me, and that, that really excited me, so uh, I'll never forget that Sunday, that was on like a Thursday, and then that Sunday, I was just burning with excitement, that Sunday, I hopped in the van, and, and we were driving, and by the time we got out of the driveway, I hadn't spoken yet, so they were like, what's up, everything okay? I just paused and was like, I accepted Jesus, uh, and it was a party, that van turned into a party bus the whole way, we were just <laughs> celebrating, I just continuously felt loved, we got um, up to the, the church, and I was baptized in a little river out behind the church then. Um, and, and my life really did, similarly, like, I, I just took a complete 180, and I think for me, I, I didn't have anything to hold on to. I, I gave Jesus my entire heart. Uh, you know, I, I, one of my favorite sayings is sometimes God takes away everything we have to show us he's the only thing we need. And in that moment, I had nothing. I had nothing to give, nothing to offer, um, but myself and my heart. And I gave him my entire heart, and he, he took hold of every ounce of that heart and uh, transformed me. I wasn't holding on to any of my old ways. I truly felt reborn, re made new. Um, I had some time to kill before I joined the Army, so uh, I got asked to go teach at a Christian summer camp in northern Vermont. It's slim pickings up there, so yes, they hired me on to go be a youth counselor. Uh, just, yep, yeah, I'm sure a lot of the parents had some, some different reactions and chuckles. Um, but yeah, I was a youth leader at this summer camp, and it was amazing, like, sharing my testimony every week with teens, and they were like, and we'd always do it at the end of the week. And after, like, we spent so much time together, praying together, like, teaching through the word of God. And then, like, I was like, yeah, so, like, this last Christmas, I was doing drugs and homeless. And they were like, wait, like, that's not that long ago. And it's like, yeah, no, I know. But God can completely transform you. And it was just a really uh, amazing season where my relationship, my faith grew, my understanding of, of the Father grew. Um, and then I shipped off into the Army in August, and that was a, another very challenging season, uh, going, going from just being surrounded by believers who are just encouraging you and supporting you and just like adding fuel to that fire to going off to the world of the Army where there was not a whole lot of believers. You know, I remember the first week in, in basic training when I went there, I was like, hey, I'm going to keep this whole vibe going. I'm going to lead like Bible studies every morning in the Army, like for all my bunkmates. Uh, they were not as enthused as I was um, and quickly got crushed for that. And I remember just feeling like, God, like you called me here? Like this is what you want for me? Like uh, this is not what I was experiencing all summer. And I kind of started to feel like alone again. And, and um, I think that was also a fruitful season and that I just remember, and it was not without challenges or mistakes, but God was really trying to teach me to, be in a relationship with him and not rely on necessarily the people around me. And, and, and obviously, we should and we should encourage and support one another, but our relationship is, is with God is, has to be rooted in a relationship with that, with him, with the Father. 
with God. And so me and him kind of grew closer together, not being supported by individuals around me, but just deep prayer, times of prayer and reflection uh, with him. And certainly have had challenges uh, since then and and difficulties with the army and and frustrations. And um, there was a lot that was hard to deal with. Uh, I deployed right after I got out of the army to Afghanistan, was there for 10 months. And that was a lot of, uh, of, of difficult trial, lost some friends there. And um, coming home, just being like, wow, like you called me into this broken world. Um, and, and I still feel broken. And I still like, this is not what I expected. Um, but God has, since then, he's really called me to restore some of these broken relationships and not just offer forgiveness and being like, it's easy to say, hey, I forgive these people, but then kind of move on, but really to seek those people out that I've had broken relationships with. And since then, uh, my mom and I have had a restored relationship. My dad is uh, two years sober, and he comes down to see his granddaughter, Emma, every chance he gets. Um, and it's, it's offering that unconditional love that I, I uh, received from Jesus. I realize how important that is to not just you know, um, look at people in our life and and tolerate them, but to seek them out and love them uh, despite um, their downfalls because we have them too, and I certainly did. So that's really what I've I've felt more called into and encouraged. And as I do that, and I recognize it's a broken world, every chance I get to show somebody some unconditional love and and just shower them with that mercy and grace that that we were showered with, uh, you're kind of making the world a little less broken, uh, seem a little less broken. And you give that opportunity for people to latch on to a source of hope um, that they might not have previously had. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's how it's been encouraging me. And I would just encourage everybody to, to do the same, to reach out to those folks and, you know, trust in the Lord in that. And it might not happen. You know, my, there's not, the story's not over yet. My father's not accepted Jesus. My mom has not necessarily accepted Jesus. I still have brothers who are not following God, but we, the story's not over yet, right? We can keep, keep doing that and being those examples. It took me 18 years to realize God was knocking at my door, um, so we never know how long it'll take, but nobody's ever too far gone to accept, accept Jesus. Thank you so much for sharing that. Henry, I'd love for you to pick up where your story left off, too, and what your uh, life trajectory looked like after uh, Christ entered the picture for you. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, well, so I went from, I, you know, that was my beginning. My middle part was all of the years that um, I was married and raised my children with Tom and up till... So if you divided my life into thirds, that would be the first part. The middle part would be all of the time that I had with Tom, and then the third part would be from the time I lost Tom until now. Um, And like I said in the beginning, when I look back, I can see all of these things that Jesus put there for me to work in my life to help me really become the person that he created me to be, but that I wasn't because we live in a broken world. My family was difficult growing up. I mean, I grew up in a kind of a 
middle middle class family and we never lacked for anything but my mom and dad grew up and during the depression and they were always there was a lot of fear in my family that we weren't going to have enough we weren't going to be able to pay our bills um, that there was always something missing and so I grew up with that kind of fear and that <laughs> I told Eric, Tom, so Tom was in the Navy and I was in the Army and we were married for three years before we ever lived together, which is kind of backwards the way a lot of people do it now, but um, it's like you said, until you start living together, you don't, there's a lot of things you don't know about each other or in, even about yourself. And so when Tom and I started living together and we started having children, um, a lot of my brokenness and my woundedness from growing up came out and Tom also grew up, we were both new Christians when we met, and he's, his story is interesting too, but um, we got married and started having difficulties right away because he grew up in a family, his dad was an alcoholic, and he had nine brothers and sisters, and um, we just had all of this baggage that we carried into our life together. But God was so faithful in that he brought us, each of us, and together places to help us realize that he was not just our Lord and Savior. And I guess this is the thing, that the theme that I've seen looking back over all of the times is that when I first met Jesus, someone introduced him to me as my Lord and my Savior. And when I received him as my Lord and my Savior, that made a huge change for me in my life. But what God wanted to show me as I continued walking was that he is alive and he, is, he wants to be a part of my life. He wants to be my friend. He wants to be my brother. Now that Tom is gone, he's promised to also be my husband. Um, and what does that mean? And over the years, I, um, God just walked me through things to help me See that when you shared about a father, I didn't have a good relationship with my dad. And one of the things that I learned is that you can't really understand God's love if you don't have a father who's modeled it. God took me to a place down in Florida called Christian Healing Ministries where I went for one of their retreat weekends and had a huge healing in my life um, about the love of a father and realized how much God really loved me as a daughter. Um, That was, that was huge. And then to learn th that Jesus was alive, that he was really, like I saw in those kids, that they were living their life differently because he was real for them. That what we, we concentrate so much in our earthly life on what we see. But the unseen world is more real because it's eternal than really what we see. And God brought a, a person into my life, a pastor at a camp that Tom and I went to with the kids for many years. Her name is Judy Peterson, and she, she was kind of a wild person in college. And so one of the things that I guess I'd like to share is that it's wonderful to be sharing stories because all of these people that God brought into my life, their stories became part of my story. She was this really wild, crazy person in college, and she accepted Christ as her savior, and immediately she knew she was supposed to go to seminary. And she said when she went to seminary, she didn't even know where the books of the Bible were in the Bible. She said it was just really embarrassing when she was in class because she was such a new Christian, but she knew she was supposed to be there. 
that she was a real task-oriented kind of AAA type person and had lots of energy. In her senior year in seminary, they were supposed to have a project and she was having a quiet time one morning and God said to her, I want you to walk across the United States. And she was like, what? <laughs> and she went to her advisor and he said, well, I think if God's telling you to do that, you should do that. So she put into place, um, she had a dog that she trained to walk with her so he, she wouldn't be alone. She applied for a grant, she had money so that she would have money to walk across the United States and the week before she was supposed to leave, her dog developed hip dysplasia and he couldn't go with her. And then she found out that the company that was supposed to provide her the money for her trip went bankrupt and she didn't have any money. And so she was, she said, well, and this, these are stories that she told us that she felt like God was saying, I am enough. You don't need anything but me because I've called you on this journey because before you can do things for me, you have to learn how to be with me and hear my voice. So she walked across the United States and I have a series of tapes from when she shared this at camp. She was the pastor for the week that I've listened to so many times of story after story after story about how he was real for her and her life. And after that week, I wanted so much to have that kind of a relationship with Jesus where I knew that he was walking at my side through all the things that were happening in my life. And he's done that through um, raising my kids and the woundedness and the struggles that I had taking me places through um, going on mission trips. I've, it, I've been many places that God has taken me to learn more and more and more about who he is through other people and then I guess the, the biggest piece is, so also at this camp, one of the uh, speakers of the week was a Swedish pastor, his name was Runar Eldebo. Tom and I went, we were home on leave from the ship. And we were at camp for a couple of days because we were gonna meet some friends who were flying out from Arizona that were gonna hike with us for a couple of days before we went back to spend two weeks with the kids. And we didn't get to hear the whole week, but the day before we were gonna hike, we went to hear the pastor speak and he talked about storms in life. And he said, everybody has storms. But he said, never overestimate your storm and never underestimate what God is gonna do in it. And the next day we hiked up the mountain and Tom had a heart attack and died. And The whole time that everything was going on with people passing by in the trail and doing CPR and everything, I just kept praying, God, I need you to be here with me. And I knew that he was there, but I knew Tom wasn't gonna live. So I walked down the mountain and I just, they sent me down ahead because they had to gather enough people to carry him down. And I just looked out at the woods and I said, okay, Lord, this is my storm. This is the greatest storm that I've ever experienced. And I need to see you working in it. I need to know that you're with me. And he has never left my side. Um, and I went, we were home on leave from the ship. We had been volunteers on a ship in Africa. 
And I was home for six months and then I felt like I really needed to go back to finish our commitment because I was just going crazy being home and grieving alone. So um, I went back to the ship and I had a really good friend who uh, asked me if I wanted to study through a book, The Divine Conspiracy by Dallas Willard. And that is kind of another huge turning point in my life because reading that book helped me understand things about my relationship with God and scripture that I had never seen before. And one of the things, it's like this theme that Dallas Willard says is that when we receive Christ, that's not the end, it's just a beginning of living our life with Jesus. That spiritual transformation, spiritual formation is um, being transformed so much in our spirit from spending time with Jesus that we live our life the way Jesus would live it if he was us. And that's been the rest of my journey since Tom's been gone is just learning and spending time with Jesus so that I can live my life the way he wants me to, the way he would if he was me. Thank you so much. Thank you. So I'd love to, uh, I know you both touched upon some of the ways that you're really experiencing God presently in your life um, between um, feeling restoration with relationships and uh, Anne in terms of uh, sensing God's presence with you moment by moment. But um, if there's any other uh, kind of aspects of how you see God leading you today, um, we'll, we'll wrap up with that. I'd love to just uh, have anything else that you're sensing uh, where, where God's taking you in this present day. Yeah, yeah. Um, right now, I'm, I'm working really hard to restoring some of those relationships like I, like I talked about. Um, also, I think it was one of the things that called me into youth ministry is, and, and working Becca and I, uh, along with the trips to middle school community group. I used to do Young Life, um, think being an example, even though if it's just one conversation um, in a McDonald's or one, you know, showing up to one of their games one time, just one example of unconditional love goes farther than we'll ever think. Uh, and every time I share my testimony and I think about those people who just loved me uh, in those moments, I'm just encouraged to do the same for others. So, I guess that's where I would say currently I feel, uh, feel led to is just whether it's in my workplace, whether it's um, here in church or just in the community, just finding others to, to love on and, and love on them well. That's great. Emery, how about you? Uh, in terms of anything else that you might like to share about how you sense God, God's presence and leading in your life today? Well, I'm really glad, Josh, that you went first. <laughs> because, yeah, the thing about unconditional love and kindness, there's two verses. One, for me, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. You know, that whole verse, I'm not really good with always saying, but I, uh, be anxious for nothing. When I say that out loud to myself, I realize that it's not just an idea or a thought, but it's a command that God is saying that we are to be anxious for nothing. And yet he knows because we're human that 
we are going to be anxious, and I struggle a lot with anxiety <laughs> about different things. One of the questions that I've learned to ask myself is that um, if I'm anxious about something, I think that it's because somewhere in the situation I'm not trusting Jesus. That's what I feel like right now. My job is to grow in my relationship with Jesus so that I can be the light that he wants me to be, that I can show who he is um, correctly to the world by the way I live my life, that I can make the right choices, I guess, just because what's, because I've, have an inner transformation that helps me to live more like Jesus would want me to live. So when I'm anxious about something, what is it that I'm not trusting in Jesus to take care of for me? Because now one of Dallas Willard's books is called Life Without Lack, and it's all about his teachings on the 23rd Psalm and about how the fact that Jesus says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. So I have everything that I need it was a huge revelation for me one day when I was saying the, the 23rd Psalm over and over to myself as I was going through that book and all of a sudden I realized, and this was like in my grief, I realized I don't need Tom because if I needed him, he would still be here. Jesus let me have him as long as I needed him. And then when I didn't need him anymore, it was time for him to be somewhere else and that's with the Lord. But Jesus again said, I am enough, I am enough, I'm everything that you need. And so I need to figure out how to live that in my life. So when I can stand back and look at whatever it is I'm anxious about and say, okay, Lord, show me which part of this I'm not trusting you in, and when I can identify it, and he's always gracious to help me do that, then I can let go of the anxiety and it's okay again, his peace comes in. So. Um, I guess that's really where I feel like my journey is. It's just learning to trust Jesus, learning to see how I'm not trusting him so that I can choose to do it over and over again, and learning to hear his voice better. And it doesn't matter. I heard, I heard a podcast <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, and a gentleman was talking about holy indifference, and I'd never heard that term before. And he said, when... Nothing matters to you, like no result matters to you, no achievement matters to you, no like getting a job or not having a job or um, getting a thing or having the money for something, but nothing matters except what Jesus wants. Then you don't have anxiety over those things or if something doesn't work out, you can be like, well, okay, that wasn't supposed to happen, but Jesus knows best and I'll just look what the next step is. Right now I have a new job. <laughs> I talked to Eric about this, and I'm in orientation, and I don't know how it's gonna go. I, every morning I have to pray on my way into work, Lord Jesus, please be with me and help me just to take the next step, and I'm gonna do the best that I can, and if this doesn't work, then I'll know that you gave me this for a season to teach me whatever it is I need to be learning, but that you have something else for me too, and that that's okay, so. It takes a lot of courage for both of, uh, for for anyone to stand up and and share a story and and you both were really appreciate so much how honest and 
uh, open and, and uh, vulnerable you are uh, to share even about really difficult things and uh, at the same time to point towards God's victory and goodness in your lives. And so let's, let's give them a round of applause again. Uh, uh, we're going to continue with this series um, over the next several weeks. It's not, uh, we'll have a couple more sessions of this where we have folks that we hear from in the church, and I think this might be a practice that we incorporate more down the road. So, uh, but in the meantime, you know, in our community groups, uh, in relationship with one another, in uh, going to grab a cup of coffee together, hey, wouldn't it be great to make this a season where we ask each other more about our stories? Because, uh, you know, like, like we said, I, I got about an hour with Josh and Anne-Marie I could I could have asked for another two hours. It was it was there's so many there's so much more depth to what God's done in their lives and to who they are. Uh, so this is just kind of like the preview of a good movie that's about to come out. So um, anyway, we really just are thankful for your time. I'd love to just pray and close us, and uh, we'll uh, continue on with our service here. So Father God, thank you for. Uh, for who you are as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Are you are the author of life and the author of our lives. And I think uh, around this room and uh, throughout our church and throughout your kingdom on this earth, Lord, um, there's an individual distinct story for each of us about how you have been present and real uh, how we have uh, come to discover your goodness and how we can continue to grow and uh, be shaped by the reality uh, of a limitless God that, that loves us and gave his life for us uh, and calls us to discover more of who he is and what your purposes are for our lives every day. And so, Lord, uh, we pray that we would grow in our understanding of those things, that we would walk with you. I want to thank you so much for the uh, very beautiful stories that you have been telling through the lives of Josh and Anne-Marie. Thank you for their courage to share those with us today. We pray that they uh, will experience blessing as a result uh, of being able to uh, let us into their lives, because we know that we were blessed to be able to hear those things. And so, Lord, thank you for your goodness and help us to walk forward as a church uh, that cares about one another and uh, cares about each other's story. In Christ's name, amen.